I used the NASB and that was NIV, I believe so. But to get the point, the whole theme this morning, as we, uh, as we are going to think about the liberty of, of, of helping people grow in Christ, there are things that we want to, to grow and we want our generation to come to grow in the same areas. And so our uh, Sunday school class is going downstairs and uh, junior church. Yeah. Okay. See you, Mia. There's lots, there's lots that's going on in, uh, in the world. And so this theme of liberty and, and freedom and emancipation and all those things, uh, you hear about from our culture, uh, especially when you think about cultures, every culture has these core values. Uh, if China has the core value that they will fight for and die for, that, uh, that core value is stability. In, in Japan, the core value is harmony. But in America, our core value is freedom. And what we fight for, we will kill for. And we will die for. Because it's our core, it's our, at our identity. Well, as I want to think about this, in light of what we're going through in, in uh, the scriptures, I want to talk about a superior freedom. There's a home that's greater than our homeland. There's a citizenship that's greater than our American citizenship. And so... As I mentioned uh, several, uh, several weeks back, you have to ask the question at the core as far as what defines you. For Paul, the Corinthians uh, had to ask the questions, were they Corinthian Christians or were they Christian Corinthians? And the adjective is important because the noun at the core, are you a, are, are you a Christian first and you adapt to the culture or are you a cultural Christian and so the adjectives will define how you think about yourself. Add it again. Are you American Christian or are you a Christian American? We are American Christians. We understand that our first calling is, is to the king and his kingdom. And therefore there is a superior freedom. And yet if you are in different churches, you will hear that freedom explained in a different way. And I want to approach this uh, topic today is as a freedom, as a liberating thing, that God wants you to enjoy the experience of being a redeemed believer in Christ. And that means that there's something about you as a woman, there's something about you as a man that you are to enjoy in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, in the fullness of the gospel, that you really are most free. And I, I just want to testify, as a, I'm 69 years old, and I can't... Um, I can't wait to get to be 70. I'm learning, learning, learning. I'm always growing. But I want to tell you, I feel like Paul, that apostle of the heart set free. I feel as a man, I feel most free, most settled on the inside. That there's not a whole lot of things out there that really matter to me except Christ and his kingdom and the work that he's doing to restore people back to who they were. It's this, it's this idea that you were, you were the focus of the cross, and he wants you to enjoy that freedom. And I do too. But I feel like that's part of my story, and I've, I've learned as I've grown through the years, and a lot of people have been involved with that. 
But uh, what I want to talk about today is to follow that theme because Paul wants to do that with the Corinthians. He wants to do that with every Gentile church that he's involved with. It's a superior freedom, and the freedom means that you can abandon the self-centeredness, the selfishness, without abandoning the self. And that's a, a paradox in one sense. And we'll look at that. So what I want to talk about today is some general comments about Christian freedom. I want to talk about Paul and his relationship with the Holy Spirit and how he came to enjoy that freedom. And then I want to talk about how you get to be a doulos, a free servant of Christ, and thinking about uh, that exchanged life, what that's, that looks like in the Christian life. And then I want to step into the Corinthian context and look at how Paul uses that freedom in the world of the, of the fallen world of the context. Now, Sandy's coming up next week, so I've been looking online. You know about Van Gogh in Cleveland. Anybody been there yet? Yeah? So you guys know. Uh, but the idea behind this exhibition is they want to change the way you see and experience museums. So if you go into most museums, you, you walk in and you are a, an observer of an object, and so you see something like, like the mummy or Mona Lisa, but, but you, you look at these as objects to contemplate and say, oh, wow, mm. but you don't connect with them because there's a distance between you and your observation and your reflection. But this whole exhibit is to, to say that there's a completely new way of encountering art. And what they want to do is to have an immersive, uh, an experiential uh, experience that encircles the audience in their work of Van Gogh that will envelop you in a, is it five stories tall? It's a warehouse. But where the floors become canvases and the projections on the walls redesigns the whole way you think about. So when you think, it, you get into this, you, it's, you just don't look at you become caught up in it. It's, so it's a really interesting way of looking at museums. Well, the problem is, for a lot of Christians, we look at the Bible the same way. It's an object that's out there. It happened 2,000 years ago, and so you can take an historical approach, and you can compartmentalize and have a separate experience and not have an, an integrated understanding. But boy, you know, the Bible is just filled with stories. And this is what I want you to hear, that, that God has given us all kinds of stories to involve us so that we can learn from these people. We've got Abraham, David, and Paul here. But you, as, as you immerse yourself into the work that God is doing in their lives, there are th things that God wants to use uh, to teach us through them so that we learn to experience the same things in our context. The same thing with Esther. We haven't seen that in the sight and sound, but that's coming up. But Hannah and Mary, again, all of these people involved in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with immersive experiences of God being involved. And it's a completely new way of reading the scriptures. I hope you don't read the scriptures without immersing yourself into the scriptures, that you read it as God's love letter to you, that it is personally directed to you. And that when you read this, you should have an experience that you walk away from this praying to the Lord what the Lord has told you in his word. And so there's an interactive way of thinking about that that would envelop you 
that invites you to participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and in your community at this time. And so that we become the people of God in this place. And so like any one of those stories in the Old Testament, the New Testament, we take our place in our context, in our day, to say the same message, the message of Christ. And that grace, Paul, Paul understood. And Paul, as the apostle set free, Paul was not bound by his background. Paul was not bound by his culture, by the Jewish thinking or by the Jewish law. He wasn't bound by the Roman law. He wasn't bound through the circumstances of affliction and hardship. He wasn't bound by his personal sin any longer because God had set him free. Add to that, he was set free because he was not bound to his own personal rights. And so he was free. He really was free, complete freedom. And so you understand what that means primarily for, for us as fallen people. We are not bound by shame. We are not bound by the power of sin. We are not bound by the, the fear of death. There's nothing that's going to separate us now from the love of Christ. Nothing. Therefore, we fear nothing. And we have that blessed assurance that Christ is ours and we are his. But the freedom that Christ had to lay down his life is the same freedom that you have to lay down your life as well. It's a freedom that has a kingdom orientation rather than a self-improvement or self-promotion orientation. And there is a word for that in the New Testament. It's called doulos. Repeat after me, doulos. Now, you remember this word because it's not that song, do lost, oh, do lost, oh, do remember. No, that's do, Lord. Do lost is different. Sorry, I had to do that. Do lost means bond servant. And this is a particular phrase. It's not just servant. It's one who has been in the service of a master and his debt has been paid and has been released. A bond servant says, I don't want to leave my master. And so in the Old Testament, a servant had the... A choice to go to the master said, can I stay with you, live with you, serve you? And if the master accepted that servant, he would take his ear, use this one, take his ear to a doorpost and drive a nail through it. And that became the mark of a bond servant. It's the willingness to lay down my life and live through the desires and the protection of another person. That's what a doulos means. And Paul would say this phrase over and over in the Old Testament. And this is the message. This is Paul's message. That the freedom that Christ gave Paul. That freedom from the cross. Let that message dwell richly within you. As you teach and as you admonish with one another. With all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs. In, from the spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Now notice the source of that is the cross that which enables and makes it operational is the Holy Spirit. You can have an understanding of the cross, but not have the experience of being enlightened of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And, and there are reasons for that. But only the Holy Spirit of Christ gives us, Jew and Gentile, American and Corinthian, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord gets the same wondrous gift of freedom and peace and grace to think differently about our freedom and to be a do-loss man or a do-loss woman. 
Paul would say it this way. And you've heard this passage, but boy, I love this passage. If you haven't memorized the verse recently, memorize this one. Remember, he's talking to Corinthians, non-Jewish people, people who are outside the kingdom. And he said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Got that? Break it down. Now we have received. Who has received? The Corinthians. That's who he's writing to. We, including Paul and the Corinthians, he's talking, we have received. And you as a believer in Christ, you have received. What have you received? The spirit, not the spirit of the world. That prince of the power of the air that's working in the sons of disobedience, that is not your spirit. We do not receive that spirit. We reject that spirit. It's from Satan. We don't belong to that culture. But we do belong to Christ. And it says the third thing, that the spirit who is from God. This is not your idea. It's not somebody who voted on it as a policy, as a government, as a cult. This comes directly from the King of Kings. He is the Spirit of God. And why did he come? Why did he come? So that you, we may know, know intimate experience. That you have an actualized realization that you are a different kind of person because the Spirit of God gives you that understanding. And so repeat after me. Say this aloud with me. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by the Spirit. And that includes your liberty. That includes your healing. That includes your salvation. That includes your peace. That includes your friendship with Christ. That includes your understanding of the, the things freely given. Boy, all those things are ours. We are rich. We are blessed. We are enabled in such a way if we're paying attention. Now, not everybody pays attention. And so when Jesus was with the Pharisees back in John chapter 8, uh, they, were confront, they confronted Jesus. And who are the free people? Talk about liberty. Well, the Jews thought they were free. So Jesus was saying to them, to those Jews who had believed in him, he was saying to the disciples, to the believers, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Those disciples have a master. But he says, you are disciples of mine. Mine. You're my student. You're my friend. You belong in relationship to me. And you will know. That's not, you might know. It may happen. You will. It's the purpose of the Spirit to help you know, understand, and enjoy. You will know the truth and it's the truth that will make you free. You won't have freedom without the truth. You won't have freedom without the Spirit. You won't have freedom unless you're a disciple of Christ to know what it means to be free. And Jesus is going to teach us that. 
But they answered him, so wait a minute, just a minute, Jesus. We are Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved. Well, that's not true. They were in Egypt. They were, they were in Babylon. They, but these Pharisees thought, well, we're, we're, we've never been enslaved. So how is it that you say you'll become free? They really didn't understand because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, remember, said, you are my men. You are my disciples. You are my people, and you will know the truth. And these people will know the freedom because they know me. And then Jesus said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants. Yet you seek to kill me. And you're trying to kill me because my word, get this, my word has no place in you. If the word of God, the truth of God, isn't setting your heart free, then you are enslaved to ignorance, to a bondage, to a darkness, to a kingdom, to a culture, because you're bound by your own understanding. And Jesus says, therefore, you do the things that you've heard from your father, not my father. You're trying to kill me. And the answer said, Abraham's our father. Jesus says, nope. If Abraham were your, if you're Abraham's children, you would do the deeds of Abraham. Well, the whole point is that the Spirit of God wants you to be protected from that which steals your freedom. And therefore, Jesus would say to them, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house, but the son does. The son does. Daughter, son of Christ, remain in the house of truth. So the son will make you free, you will be free. And therefore, that freedom that Jesus would talk about is a different kind of freedom. And the freedom is that you're going to move and, and live in such a way that you're going to be free from yourself and free to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man did not come to prove. The Son of Man did not come to achieve. The Son of Man did not come to say, hey, look at me, follow me. No. His freedom was totally off of himself and onto other people. And therefore he says, I give my life as a ransom to many. Now that's what Paul understood. That if you are in Christ and if you had that freedom of Christ, then you are free to give yourself. And so when it comes to the Corinthians, Paul says, I am free to give up my freedom. Let me say that again. I am free to give up my freedom. It's not about me. It's not about my rights. It's not about my freedom. It's not about my experience. It's my freedom to walk away to find a whole new set of adventures and life lessons to say what real joy, what real freedom is, is not being preoccupied, not being self-absorbed with what I want, what I do, what I didn't do. What I, it's, not, it's just you're free from yourself. Paul limits his freedom in order to serve him. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he says this, aren't I an apostle? Hey, I'm an apostle. I've got my rights. I mean, everywhere I go, people have got to recognize that I'm the apostle Paul. I'm the apostle that Christ sent to the Gentiles. It's me, guys. Pay attention to me. Am I an apostle? He didn't say that. I saw Jesus. I mean, I'm qualified. But maybe to these guys who are questioning me, I've got my rights, I've got my position, therefore you've got to honor me and he's going to get into arguments. No, 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 no. That's not Paul. 
He says, but wait a minute. Don't I have the right to eat and drink like I want to do? I can do anything I want to. I'm free. Paul wasn't preoccupied by that. I, I can take a wife. I mean, Barnabas might have, I mean, the others, other apostles. But I, I've got these rights, don't I? I can get married, I, even as the rest of the apostles. Well, how about if you give money to the ministry, don't I have a right to be supported by you guys? I've got these rights. And if I make a tent, what's, well, I, I can choose to make tents or I can choose to be supported by I, I can choose my rights because I've got my rights and I can enjoy the benefit of whatever I do. I've, I've got my rights. But Paul was saying, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's not about my rights. I give up my rights in order to serve you. That's what Paul understood about the freedom. That's what the Corinthians didn't understand about the freedom. So Paul was trying to work into an understanding of what this missionary Jim Elliot came to understand. Have you heard of Jim Elliot? Anybody know about Jim Elliot? If you're into missions, you know Jim because he was a famous for this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He went down with a team uh, to the Ecuador and getting off the boat several steps on the beach they speared him dead. There's a young man in 1956. He left behind a young widow, a baby daughter, and volumes of, volumes of devotions. It's a great book, Jim Elliot, the journals of Jim Elliot. Men who give their lives, we honor like our soldiers. There are Christians who give their lives that are only honored by God. But how do you become a doulos guy, a doulos woman, to be a bondservant? Jesus said you have to do certain things. And if you do these things, you will know the freedom and you will know the truth. You will rest in the house. You will be free in a way that Christ wants the Corinthians to know, the way that I would want to know, the way that you want to know. This is what the Spirit of God wants us to know. He said the hours come in John 12, 22, 23. The hour has come for, you, for the Son of Man to be glorified. The first thing that you understand that freedom is going to lead you to glory. There's a greater glory. There's a superior freedom. There's something greater than what you can conceive of right now. And so Jesus would say, uh, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat dies, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. You have your freedom that's all you get. But if you die, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. And that's what Jim Elliot did. He gave up his life as Paul gave up his life. But you die to this self-centered lifestyle. Now Jesus said that. If you want to be my disciples, abide in my word and die. John the Baptist heard that. He must increase, and I must decrease. It's not about me. Paul will go on to write, Philippians 2, not to dominate or, or demand your way of doing things. That's not a do-loss, man. He says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. This is going to benefit me. What's in it for me? If 
I do this, let's negotiate, God. Show me your will, and if I like it, I'll consider doing it. No. He says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but notice this quality. Notice this quality of the Spirit with humility. You don't have a right to the kingdom. You have a privilege because of grace. It's a gift, and therefore every Christian is a humble servant because of the work of Christ. And therefore, with humility of a mind, regard, consider, prioritize one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. So have this attitude, which is the Lord Jesus had, the Spirit of God gives, to think about the way you relate to people as a servant. So don't dominate and demand your way. The third thing is, you need a cross. Jesus said, he was saying to them all, if anyone, this is a standard, if anyone, if any, anyone wishes to come after me, Muslim, Chinese, Afghanistan, Buddhist, American, he must deny himself. He must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You can't have two masters. You'll serve one and hate the other. So one goes on the cross. And if you're on the cross, if you take up a cross, what does that mean? Well, one, it means you're nailed. And if you're nailed on the cross, it means you face one direction. If you're nailed on the cross, it means you don't have your freedom to move, but you're going to die. But if you die, what happens afterwards? There's a resurrection. <laughs> There's a resurrection. And those who die have a new experience of a resurrection. Now let me ask you this. Which would you rather have? Would you rather live with Christ before the cross or live with Christ after the cross? With no cross, you get what you get. With the cross and then the resurrection, you get the whole kingdom. And therefore, all oh, Christians, get on your cross and trust Christ. Then live for Christ. Paul would say this to the Corinthians, that he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again on their behalf. You see, you are invited to a liberty, a freedom, that goes way beyond self-denial. It's a liberty that says, I am set free to live for Christ. And therefore, we pray this, don't we? We pray, and I want to invite you to mean what you pray. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you follow what Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your closet, in your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless, meaningless, meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they'll be heard if they get more words in. So don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And here we go. Pray this way. What are we praying? We are praying for surrender. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What are we asking for? His liberty. His plan, his purpose, his promises. Your purpose, your will be done. It's the wishes of God 
not my wishes. So we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from ourselves and evil. The whole thing there is that we're back to glory. And therefore for Paul, he would summarize it this way. I can let the spirit of Christ live his freedom and liberty through me. And so he says in Galatians 2.20, another verse you should memorize, <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If that's true, then the Spirit of God will use you to touch other people. And that's the freedom that he gives to us. As we think about Paul going into the Corinthians, not demanding his rights, well, for us, we have to think of the same thing about freedom. Freedom for us is not just having the freedom to do what we want to do, to please, to please ourselves. or, And that's what Peter Marshall said. I'm going to add two things. If I can add, I added it to this poster. It says, may we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right, and to do what is loving, to do what is true. If that's the story that you have and your understanding of freedom, then you can join in with Abraham, David, and Paul. You can join in with Esther, Hannah, and Mary. You can join in with all those in the Old Testament who understand that the Lord has touched them and set them free. You can join with Paul. So let me ask you, are you becoming, or are you Bound by your background or by your culture, by American thinking, by political thinking, by emotional, psychological, denominational thinking? Are you bound by personal sin? Are you bound by personal rights? Or are you free in Christ to be a doulos? Whatever you are bound by, whatever that is, doubt, fear, shame, selfishness, understand this. He's the Lord. He understands our weakness. He's very merciful and compassionate, gentle and humble. He says, come unto me and learn from me. Learn, O disciples. <clears throat> and he's going to set us free. This idea that freedom for us as a Christian, at July 4th, we fight for political freedoms and we enjoy those. He died for your personal freedom. Therefore, don't be bound by anything else. He sets you free. Indeed. Therefore, I'm going to close by saying this. If that original museum piece is for immersive and original experience of museums, I invite you to be immersed and participate in that freedom to experience the doulos life in the spirit because Jesus has set us free to worship and serve him. O Corinthian, O Chesterlander. <laughs> and therefore... <clears throat> this is your calling, Christian. This is why we celebrate freedom. I'll talk about next week. What do you do with that freedom in a context where it's questioned? And there's the conflict. But we'll do that in finishing chapter 9. Let's pray. Father, thank you that these words somehow escape us during the week. 
But I pray that you would take these words and the gospel would root deeply in our heart that would set us free from ourselves. Either this is too idealistic or too radical. But Father, we pray that you would give us a taste of this freedom. The freedom to really walk away from sin and understand what grace and forgiveness is all about. But the freedom to move towards other people to serve them without being preoccupied or self-absorbed. Thank you for serving us. Make us a loss. We pray for your glory and our growth in Jesus' name. Amen.